One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, my friends, my people. Uh, welcome to this Six Nations episode of the award-winning It's Not Flats and Shanks podcast with... Myself, uh, being the Thomas George Llewellyn Shanklin, uh, son of Jim, and my very close acquaintance, um, larger than life, funny man, Mr. Funny Man, where is he? Firstly, good afternoon, everybody. Um, yes, I'm David Flatman, hi. Might not be um, afternoon, could be morning. Could be I know it's a guess. It was a guess, but um, it's just what Clive Woodward does every time he goes on the telly on stage. I love it. I love it. They're like, they're like. Jo- Johnny's had a chat in the studio. Mark Pugach has asked Johnny something. He's asked Lowell something. They go to Clive and say, "Clive, what do you reckon of England's chances?" Well, firstly, good afternoon, everyone. And I think, yeah, the team Eddie's picked. I love it. And Ben Kay and I were in comms yesterday. <laughs> it's just so great. Do you ever find and yourself doing it when you're doing co-coms now? Like, as a little, not because you want to, but just because it's a little like a little internal win when. Uh, First, when lead commentator throws to you, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. I well, one thing I prefer. I have didn't do it yesterday, but I do. Um, it's Sunday where we are, people. By the way, day after all the games. But um, I uh, I quite like it when a couple of times. I think I was doing a game with Simon Ward once a few years ago, and he asked me a question, and I deliberately didn't answer him. <laughs> he said, "What do you think?" And I just looked at him and waited. <laughs> I thought, it was like it was like I think it was Newcastle against Dragons or something, and I was like, "No one's watching, so we can have some fun with this." And I tried to stitch him up a bit. But. I've done it a couple of times for evening kickoffs um, when the commentator welcomes you. I'm, Good evening, everyone, and I've just sort of had to pull the mic away from my mouth and just have a little kickle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, firstly, right. good afternoon, everybody. Um, so, what's the next? Great. What's the next game you're commentating on? Do you know? Uh, yeah, England, Georgia. Okay. Um, I'm commentating on the England games this autumn. Okay, you need to do that for England, George. Okay, I'll do it tomorrow when I'm doing uh, <sighs> Cardiff Blues against Ulster. You, no one will be listening to that. Well, hopefully you will. It's on, Pro, it's on uh, Premier Sport, but you probably won't. But I'm going to do it, all right? One of the interesting things about um, 
Amazon Prime, Prime Video doing these games, is that I reckon so many people know have got Amazon Prime but don't know they've got the telly that goes with it. What like you net, you've either got Netflix or you haven't, but people get Amazon Prime to get faster deliveries. Yeah. They don't, and a lot of those people don't realise ah, that TV comes with it. Yeah, yeah, well it does. Apparently right. that's a real thing. Mm. Mm. And a lot of the new yeah. TVs now, you can, it comes with apps already installed, so. Yeah. Uh, it's quite easy, really. If you, As long as you log in. Um, you don't, you don't need, get you logged don't out need Sky time. anymore. You don't need it. Ah, you but do. I've got, you do. No, because I've got a free Now TV package with my Vodafone phone SIM card. So I get Sky Atlantic and I just use your login for sport. Yeah, well, so someone <laughs> needs Sky. <laughs> but Sky Q is amazing, mate. I love it. It is amazing. Yeah, I love it's it. It's great. And, it you know, especially when you're watching games, to be able to fast forward through, say, all of the Wales Scotland game, um, just yeah. as a result. Well, just from the anthems are okay. They actually, the anthems are crap. It's no fans. Um, now, just the whole thing, the build up was all right. Um, Brilliant build up. Yeah, because, you know, you had interesting people involved, you know, but it's like. Can I just, uh, as soon can as I just stop started, you there for a minute, Flats? Can I just stop you there for a minute? Yeah. I like wine. What have yeah. you been up to? Brilliant. For me? Exactly. There we are. So we can get to rugby now. We we've done uh we've done the foreplay. Yeah. Or actually well I so I presume. I mean, have you been up to anything? Interesting. No. no. Okay, cool. I'm a, I'm a little bit peeved this morning that gyms are shutting cuz of lockdown cuz there's no yeah. there's no proof that they cause the spread of Coronavirus. I I still think the little gym I go to in Bath is one of the cleanest places I ever go. But um, that's a shame. Mm. Well, you've got four weeks. We're now. a bit we're a bit behind Wales. We joke about you know if you've got cinemas there yet, but you've operated independently. You have not trusted um, our government to do the right thing the whole time. You've done your own thing, and that has probably annoyed some people. But mm, tell you what, I think you might have got it right, boy. Well, we're in the second week of lockdown now. Um, schools go back on Monday, for most of them. Um, years seven and eight in primary schools. Um, but, yeah, we've got one more week, and then I think we'll see where we are. It's probably going to be another one, but... Um, good news is they've extended furlough um, till January, so that's good for a lot of businesses. Um, they found the money somewhere. Don't know where. Be a currency reset now. You wait. They reset the whole Someone currency. Someone said they didn't have any money to feed hungry kids, but they found another zillion quid for furlough. But I mean, you know, there's always a fur, furlough doesn't benefit me, so I don't want it to benefit anybody. Mm, yeah, it doesn't benefit me really either. Um, but let's just crack into it, shall we? We've got a guest coming yeah. on um, in probably 20 minutes' time, 30 minutes maybe, depends how long this takes. Uh, don't tell him who it is. Don't okay. tell him who it is. Should we not even introduce him and then we'll just wait until someone can guess who he is? Until the penny's yeah. dropped. Okay. Yeah. Okay, perfect. They'll, they'll guess it from the Jamaican accent <laughs> and the high-pitched voice. Uh, no, I've been up to nothing. It's Chris Gale, is it? Get, yeah. Should we, get straight, should we get straight into the rugby, fella? Okay. I cannot wait for this. First game of the weekend. Oh. Wales v Scotland. Massive, massive, monumental. Whoa, 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 whoa. Monumental occasion. Okay, Alan Wynne Jones, 149 caps, um, leading cap holder in world rugby. Incredible achievement. Um, I, I was watching. I mean, the best bit of the game was the pre-game chat. Um, Gabby Logan is incredible. Uh, I think she's probably, if not the best, up there in the top 
one or two yeah. of yeah. of anchoring. And uh, I give thought, it up, mate. You're never going to meet her. <laughs> Yeah, Benjamin Netanyahu. Um, yeah, she is. She is fantastic, uh, and just the way she delivers it. And you know, there was a, a little tribute to to JJ Williams. Um, I thought was Eddie Butler had voiced over it. One of the best voices there is. I, I loved it. I loved the whole chat about that. And you know, it's a, it's unfortunate um, that he's passed away through illness. Um, you know, it was was in his seventies, but. What a player, what a legend he was. Um, looking back at some of the old games, phenomenal, phenomenal pace. Not old, it's not old anymore, is it? Nah, it's just, you know, it's, you forget how good these players were. And he was mm. one of the all-time greats, there's no doubt about that. Um, my old man actually said that he played in JJ's first cap. Oh, really? Yeah. So my, my dad said he got moved to the centre because something was going on against France and... Um, they were leaking a lot of tries. My, my dad was started on the wing, and um, so he, my dad moved into centre. JJ came on, and the rest is history. Crikey! So yeah, went on to have very similar careers. <laughs> a bit like you and me, we both uh, got capped pretty young, and then um, I pressed pause and started really concentrating on environmental studies, and like a bit like David Pocock, charity work. I always thought it was a bit selfish, for David Pocock, to play all those test matches because he could have been doing you know charity work on those days which is what I was doing well the problem with you was you've always been and have been you know a great philanthropist so just like Brent you know so yeah it's in your blood it's Mm. my blood you know Um, but Eddie Eddie Butler is our Morgan Freeman isn't he yeah he is Uh, it was best voice in the game it was lovely a lovely piece a lovely tribute Um, great to see the sheriff on as well yeah very good pundit very natural the sheriff, mm. yeah, um, he's got the best nickname in Europe. Um, the game, though, um, yes, let's hit mm. me with it. Come on, it was Kieran Dyer. <laughs> the worst thing, and I put this out on Twitter, was for those that watched the Blenslow Cup in the morning, Australia versus New uh, Zealand. New Zealand end up hammering Australia. Australia were were pretty ordinary, actually, if you look at the, the weeks before mm. and the mistakes they made. But the quality of the game was phenomenal. The skill level was brilliant. Moanga is just a gem, an absolute gem at ten. Um last week I'm still I'm still debating now whether Aaron Smith or DuPont is the best nine in the world. I think it might be Aaron Smith again now. I think no. I, I no. I'm not no. sure. I'm I think his sure. service is better than DuPont's, but I think DuPont contributes He's in. He's in the middle of everything. Yeah. Like if you take, I feel like if you take Dupont off the field, France are significantly weaker. Mind you, say something about Aaron Smith. Mm. Mm, it's tough, isn't it? TJ Paranar is, isn't. It's more of a threat, but it's, his wanna, control of the pick, game is phenomenal. Right. I want to pick Dupont in my World Fifteen at the moment because he looks mm. like a China doll. <laughs> he looks like a doll. He does, he's got his high cheekbones, doesn't he? Yeah. He looks like he's made from fiberglass or something. He looks like something out of Toy Story Four, one of the dolls in that. that um, yeah, it's quite freaky. Yeah, mm. I mean, what a player he is! Just an absolute—he's a diamond. Um, if if Aaron Smith is a gem, he's a diamond. Um, but yeah, the, once you watch the Bled is Low Club, the Bled, the Bled is Low Cup. Yeah, that's and right. Seen the ABs tearing up, and then you watch Wales Scotland at Parky Scarlets with no one there, and really 
can I say this competitive game, but a really low standard, really. Conditions weren't great. Um, same for both teams. No. I understand that. Uh, first win away for Scotland in 18 years. Um, I wasn't playing in that game, FYI. Um, Whatever. But Wales, you know, they're used to, I reckon, they're used to outmuscling Scotland. They're used to dominating Scotland physically in the contact. Um, set piece all over the park and they just weren't able to do that at the weekend um, the penalties were huge for Wales it was 16 compared to 6 for Scotland 11 of those were at the breakdown so it shows you where the game was won and lost um, territory was was all with Scotland Wales constantly had to play back foot rugby never really were able to get over that gain line and play with quick ball um error rhythm um rhythm ridden rhythm 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 um and you know it was just hardly any position first half and is it me flats or just is there just so much pointless kicking now when players think that there's nothing on instead of taking it into contact and recycling it they just kick the ball away kick possession away aimless kicking not even attacking kicks I can you know there's a massive difference between like a great attacking kick uh, and someone that is under a lot of pressure and just boots it away I just think that is creeping into the game not just with Wales but all over the shop and it you just you end up giving possession away Um, it's it's like teams are a little bit afraid to keep hold of the ball at the moment I don't know whether that's just me or or whether you have, I think it's not so. you. I, I I think it 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 does anecdotal because I don't know the stats, but I think you just feel teams are more scared of losing the ball now at the breakdown. I was watching. I was watching. Uh, we'll talk about uh, France Island in a minute, but a couple of times you watch the ball get taken in, and you know you do this thing where you imagine yourself playing sometimes when you've when you've played, and that's the same for my dad or Bob down the local club or whatever. It's not just us lot, but it, and you think the speed at which supporting players have to get rid of a jackaler is just mm. so much quicker than when we played. Yeah. You've got to be there so much quicker. And you watch I watch, you know, Bernard LaRue get down to clear away to clear somebody away. I've forgotten who. Um CJ Stander with about five minutes to go. And the speed in the seventy fifth or seventy sixth minute it was, the speed with which Stander got there and got absolutely pile drive by LaRue. Yeah. It was like this is it's way quicker than a second, like way quicker mm. than a second. And you're like, this is, so I think there's so much risk of losing the ball now and kickers are so good. And there's so many long, long range kickers about that actually people are worried about losing the ball. And Wales kicked 28 times from hand compared to 16 from Scotland. So that shows you a little bit about Wales's tactics really. And it, it wasn't a great game. There was so many errors at scrum, at line-out. Um, and as I said, we can put a lot of that down to the conditions. But not the greatest performance I've seen from Wales. One of the worst games of rugby. Not just Wales, but you know Scotland were, were part of that game as well. One of the worst games of rugby I've seen in a while. And I think it's, I think it's one of those things where you just have to try and forget about it as best you can. Maybe pick a, a couple of positives. More, more so for Wales and Scotland because obviously it was a loss and and just start again in two weeks time in the Autumn Nations Cup a um, couple of chances really for Scotland more so than Wales um, you know 
what were they doing for one? I think Scotland throwing a ball over the top five metres out from their own line. Or, well, it wasn't thrown over the top. It was just a poor line-out throw. Um, Wales end up mm. uh, catching it and, and Reese Carey ends up scoring. But it's just, you know, there was a nice passage of play from Scotland. Hogg ends up passing it a little bit too early to Harris. Dan Bigger gambles, does well, uh, collects the ball. That was a, there was more opportunities for Scotland than there were for Wales. Wales didn't really create many opportunities at all. And that was probably the worrying thing. When you think of what an attacking team Wales had out, you know, you think of Owen yeah. Watkin, John Davis, Liam Williams back in, Josh Adams on great form at the moment as well. Uh, so not great. Not many big carries from Wales. You know, they really miss Ken Owens, I think. Um, because one is a leader, one is really vocal, another is he's a great carrier. And I mm. think you don't realise that until he's actually not on the team, the work rate that he does. Um, I thought it was a really good performance by Shane Lewis-Hughes on his first cap. Yeah, I thought he looked really good. Yeah, really yeah. good. 20-plus uh, tackles. I've been doing it for the last few games for the Blues and towards the end of last season. Um, he's... One of these players that you know is only going to get better. Um, you know they're they're already liking him a little bit to uh, the great Alan Wynne Jones in terms of his attitude, whoa, his work whoa, rate. Whoa, 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 whoa. In terms of attitude are, but, and yeah. work rate um, in training, yeah. you know he's which you'd, you'd like to think he he would be because he's young, he's keen, and uh, and fearless. So um, yeah, it's it's a game that I think we have to forget about. If you're Welsh, yeah, but it, but it's a. Am I right in saying it's a fifth consecutive defeat for Wayne Pivak? I think it's for Wales since Wayne Pivak took over. I think I, you know, you've watched it more closely, but of all the Pro 14 sides, I've always liked watching. Well, for a while now, I've liked watching Glasgow and Scarlets more than any other teams, mm-hmm. and um, really like watching Scarlets when Wayne Pivak was there, and he did coach them to some really impressive performances. And I think it's not like you've got to give him time. He will be given time. He will be the coach. I'm pretty confident unless things go badly, badly wrong until the next World Cup. But it does look like they need something different in there. And I think, yes, you need front football. You need an aggressive forward pack that can carry. Work rate's not enough. You need a breakdown specialist. And, you know, what they wouldn't have given for Sam Warburton at the breakdown yesterday, easy to say. But, you know, you get your sort of Navidi back in the mix and all that and you're and mm, Moriarty, Moriarty. look a bit different yeah, yeah Ken Owens think back that, in yeah Ken Owens carrying and battering people when they've got the ball makes a big difference doesn't it to a defensive team but I think and but it's in, in attack they just didn't you've got all these rock star players you've got sort of John Davis and Liam Williams and Josh Adams and you just don't when, you, when you're not seeing those guys at all you yeah. know something's wrong with the attacks it's all very well saying you've got to come and look for work Yes, you have, but that's really hard yards with the very occasional break through the middle, like we see Ollie Woodburn do a lot at Chiefs. But actually, what you want is seeing the guy, those guys with a bit of ball and a bit of space. And if you don't see that at, almost at all over an hour and a half against Scotland, you think the attack's not right. Yeah, and Toby Falatau was really quiet by by his yeah. standards. You know, one of the greatest number eights there is. Um, most of the boys were, were really quiet. You know, I'd, I'd still think about putting Liam Williams at 15. Uh, I know he played on the wing and, and Lee Halfpenny was at 15, but you just want your best attackers in the best situation on the field. And he is 
one of the best counterattackers we've got. You know, his vision is offloading. Uh, the way he runs, you know, he runs upright. He's scanning continuously. The the ability to ride tackles to offload and make breaks. I just feel that he's better used in that fifteen channel. And you know, it's it's not like he's not great under the high ball. He's one of the best. It's not like he's not got a good kicking game. Um, so. I really, I'd rather him play at fifteen and Lee Halfpenny play on the wing. Fella, there's absolutely in my mind, there's absolutely no question. Watching that game yesterday, that Lee and Williams should be at fullback whenever he's fit. Mm. Like no question. And you got Josh Adams. You can put Halfpenny on the other wing if you want, or Lewis Rees-Zammit, whatever. Put someone threatening on the wing. Yeah. Um, Lee Halfpenny does a huge amount right, and he's still a very classy player, and he's still worthy of all these caps he's achieving. But I still, I do think there are tougher players to play against now. And I think Liam Williams is an especially tough player to play against when he's at it. And that, that would be the back, probably the back three for me. And Scotland, um, had, yeah, Scotland had to overcome um, losing Finn Russell as well. And Adam Hastings came in and I thought Adam Hastings yeah. did really well at 10. Looked sharp. His teeth are so white. <laughs> How does Adam Hastings get his teeth so white? Tipex. You know that. I think uh, I drink too much coffee, but... I done. I've got. I use like teeth whitening toothpaste. I've got with a Sonic toothbrush. Mm. You know, so they're not like that. Do I need to get them bleached? Do I need to go to LA or something and have them bleached? Uh, lay off the red wine a little bit. I would say. I don't, and, I don't drink um, that much. Wait, I don't drink that much. But and maybe I do. Brush them in the mornings because I know you brush them at night because you don't want the devil to get you when you're sleeping. But give them a go in the mornings, mate. You use teeth twice a day, do you? <laughs> you bloody mad. You're bloody mad. Yeah, so there well, we that, are. That was that was a terror game of ruggers and yep. Wayne Pivak's under loads of pressure. Um and yeah, we, he and will we, be under we, a bit of pressure from from fans, from the media, because the media obviously want a story. But I think those of us, like you've mentioned already, Big Dave, no those of us that know a bit about rugby, um, will know that he will be given time and Oh yeah. I I don't think his job's under threat. I just think there is a huge amount of pressure that comes with being Yeah. Uh, a tier one coach has lost five on the bounce. I think defensively, I think defensively, they'd be under a, a fair bit of pressure as well. Um, not, yep. not looking, not looking great. I don't think um, defensively, um, not looking like we used to seeing them. You know, their the line speeds slightly dropped off, and part of that is because we're not winning the collisions. And when teams are winning the collisions against you, you know, you don't have time to reset, to number up, to fan out, to take your time, and, and get off the line. Mm. So. I think with Ken Owens, what you get is um, he's kind of an emo- emo- a very important emotional player for the team, but you also get very, very strong collisions, and it's not yes. a lot more complicated than that. You watch, you know, you watch Tom Dunn, who got his first cap for England yesterday. You watch Luke Cowan Dickey. You watch Marchand and Camille Chat that play for France. They are, they collide real hard, and mm. it does so much good for everyone around them. Um, and they do it repeatedly, so all the all the big guys can pull off the old big hit, but. Ken Owens puts a couple of real man-stopping hits in in every half of rugby he plays, and that makes such a big difference. Mm. Um, forces more turnovers, makes your breakdown work way easier, gives everyone a lift. So yep. like, the sooner they can get the sheriff back in town, the better. Although I like Elias. I thought he looked a good player, but the line-out wasn't brilliant, was it? No, it wasn't brilliant for, for both teams, really. And I think that just showed you the wind uh, and how strong yeah. it was. Uh, right, so also, you call it, before, before we move on, but the calling is so important then. Yeah. And... What's difficult is if the weather's that bad and the wind's that bad, which it was, it's very, very... In fact, it is impossible to throw the ball completely straight every time. It's just impossible. So the hooker will get the blame. That's fine. But look where he's trying to throw it. And people talk about putting... Ken Owen said at one point as a shapey throw. And 
it's a shapey throw. And what, what, what he means on that is it's kind of a lob. So you, yeah. you're putting it, when, when they say put a bit of shape on it, you're trying to get it over the top of a potential opposition jumper to drop it onto your jumper. Very, yeah. very difficult in that wind. Impossible, probably. So the higher it goes, the more likely it is to get picked up by the wind. So you want low, low hard, flat throws. Well, that's fine, except they're the easiest ones to defend. But you have to back the people involved to get off the floor quick enough and get the drills right or put a dummy in or mm. choreograph something. But when I see these throws going, you know, more than eight or nine metres, you know, considering the first five metres it has to go because that's a five-metre channel. When I see it going past, anywhere past really, a flat ball and middle jumper, I think this is just this is just crazy calling. I mean, it might be harder to win that ball, but you, you, don't, you do not want to lose ball over the back of a line-out. It's carnage. What, what I think would be good for Wales now is this Autumn Nations Cup is a chance not just not to cap new players because I think you know if you're good enough in Wales at the moment you you have been capped already you know if if you haven't been capped many times you know, there's probably a reason behind that because you're not performing to the levels that you should be doing uh, regionally but I think the players in the squad I think it's a good squad maybe it's a chance just to see new combinations. Maybe it's a chance to see Owen Watkins, Nick Tompkins together. Maybe it's a chance to to play Lewis Rees-Samit, Josh Adams, Liam Williams, um, Aaron Wainwright. You know, just new combinations, different combinations, you know, that are going to blood these players and give us a bit more strength and depth and a bit more confidence because, you know, there's, there's a few players like, for instance, Lee Halfpenny, Jonathan Davis, obviously Alan Wynne Jones, um, that have still got plenty of, of life in them. Hundred percent will be first choice for Wales, but you know, when they are gone, you know, you need players to step up to that level that have played a bit of rugby and have got all of a sudden twenty, thirty, maybe forty caps behind them. So mm. when they're stepping into the arena, you know, they're they're confident they're not coming in as three or four cappers so maybe it's maybe it's a chance just to experiment a little bit and you know i hope i hope maybe he comes out with that and says look we're gonna we're gonna take this next campaign as a bit of a development campaign and look at the next generation of players i hope anyway hard though when you're losing in it very hard when you're losing but it takes balls to do that um and i think i think it'll buy him a bit of time as well you know because then the, expe- Weir's tweet. the expectation isn't as high then you know what Duncan Weir's tweet before the game, a picture of um, Stuart Hogg. You know the game you play in warm-ups where you try and slap each other's legs? Yep. And you try and out, sort of dodge around each other and slap each other's legs. There's, it looks like Duncan Weir's got the ball with his amazing hair and Stuart Hogg's trying to slap his leg and can't reach him. Duncan Weir's posted that picture and said, can win all the trophies you want, pal. Still can he catch your old da. <laughs> it's so good. I saw that, yeah. I did Still can he catch you. That's so good. His hair is incredible. That's why it made me laugh so much. I loved it. His hair is incredible. It's like Seth from oh, Superbad. Yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? Yeah. Um, um, right, so... I, I just, yeah. That's that, that is that game covered. It wasn't very good. Uh, I'm quite glad to see the back of it. Is that 100%. right? 100%. Well done, mate. Um, yeah, and it had, right. it had no outcome on what who was going to win the Six Nations either. You know, it was bottom to, to mid-table. Um, good for Scotland. Um, deserved the win, no doubt about that. You know there is improvement there, definitely with the Scots. Um, so the Wales have gone from a Grand Slam to fifth. Yeah, but we like, like that, mate. You know, we like that. A lot of teams are like that. It's not just Wales. You know, you, it's difficult to stay top every single year consistently. You look at Wales's sort of campaign over the last 
10 years you know w- with Gatlin in charge we've won we've come low down we've won you know it's it's a bit of a roller coaster really um, yeah. but let's hit France Island so uh, this for me was the game of the uh, the weekend yes know, probably because it was the last game as well and there were a lot of permutations and we're actually going to find out who would win the Six Nations but um, did you think Ireland would do it or, no no, did not, no nor did I no I didn't I just thought France were, were too strong and, and I think you know we, we'll get into the game now but I think if you look at France as a whole massive improvement um, had it not been possibly for the yellow card before half time against a uh, red card before half time against Scotland they potentially could have gone on and won the Six Nations in the Grand Slam but I heard Martin Johnson speak yesterday after the game and you know he was right in a way speaks really well what you know what a pal to have martin johnson and and who else Paul O'Connell. Paul O'Connell. they're both so good yeah and inverdale all three of them are just so good mate phenomenal phenomenal to have yeah. that insight yeah. and knowledge and he's just saying that it's probably good for france that they didn't win it you know it's probably good yeah. that they you know they you know everything comes too easy when you win something like that and everyone thinks you're the greatest but actually they're, they're doing the hard yards now they're working up and working up and working up and they'll they're probably be a better team for it but we've said it so many times you know when you've got Dupont when you've got Entomac as your 9 and 10 you're going to go places you build your whole team around that it, yeah. it, you know so it doesn't necessarily matter who plays 12 or 13 with those two because they're going to bring you into the game um, look, Dupont, but I think what something something uh, Tommy said, uh, Thomas Castagnier said before the game on live link back to Biritz where he was on video. He he said he thinks France will do it, but he because he thinks Ireland are a predictable team, and that rang really true for me. I thought they got some great players, but I thought they are predictable now. They do feel predictable, and um, I think if you know, I thought if France can hold it together defensively and not chin anybody, I thought Thomas was right. And then Paul O'Connell. Um, said something that I really agreed with as well, which I've forgotten. But he basically was, one of the things he said was, you know, you could always, no matter what went around the, you know, along with it with Ireland, you could rely on them to nail key lineouts, nail key field position, be really accurate in defence, accurate, accurate, accurate. And that has gone a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's With Joe Schmidt, that's gone a little bit and they need to get back to that. They were a little bit predictable because it was a clear option from the start to fly... Bundyaki into Entomac offset piece, you know. So they wanted yeah. the gain line straight away. Um, How quick does he accelerate from nothing? By the yeah, way, he's brilliant. Wow. I was looking forward to that battle between him and Vakatawa. We didn't really see it too often, you know. And, mm. and Bundyaki was was mostly used as a battering ram when it's like Tuilangi, you know. There's more to the game than just being uh, the ability to be able to carry into into contact. Yeah, it's good, but yeah, you want to see him with a bit of space because you know his. His distribution is really good, um, offloading really good, lines he hits are brilliant. Um, but it, it doesn't help when I think you've got a winger playing out of position at 15 in Jacob Stockdale. He fumbles the ball twice in a row. Um, you know, a penalty after one of the fumbles ends up in Doris, early tackle, penalty try. Um, so Stockdale is a great player, but he's a winger. And he needs to play on the wing. I think positionally, he looks a little bit lost sometimes, personally. Can I shock you, fella? Well, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. But I did, I, in the latter stages, I thought Stockdale was great, actually, because he, he looked for so much work in the last quarter of that game. He was so committed and 
brave and these are things that are should be givens and they should be givens but i thought yeah and attack wise it's fine but there's 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 nothing he couldn't have done on the wing in that last quarter he could have done it from the wing and and i i agree with you entirely i think he is a he's a when he's on his game he's a very very dangerous winger to play against but at fullback he didn't seem as secure and if you look at a couple of the tries uh rates does unbelievable to keep the ball in um from the sideline and then how good is gail fiku laterally (laughs) <laughs> you know, you saw it yeah. last week um, against Scotland, just a step left, a step right, but he moves so well laterally and he just ghosts past, um, I think it might be Porter. But, Andrew Porter. But but, but Porter wasn't on the wing. Porter was inside. He's just covering across there because Ireland get really tight um, defensively and there's no winger out there. I think it's, I think Bundyaki is the last man actually comes in when probably they needed to keep their shape a little bit more and, and rather than trying to blitz in and jam in, you know, keep their hips facing out and push them out to the touchline. And Porter does really well to come around, but then you've got one of the, one of the best French attackers in Fiku who just goes past him and, you know, it's a lovely ball inside to DuPont. But how about, yeah, but Ireland weren't organized Fic- defensively in that situation that was my point they shot up and missed their hits didn't they and left Porters do all the work there's nothing he could do about that no no prop in the world would have got Fiku then but Fiku's lateral movement his acceleration his top end speed just beautiful you and I know from we said this from walking past him in um, Oita in Japan during the World Cup he's a big man like he is he is Gail Fiku is a lot bigger than he looks on telly yeah massively he moves beautifully and but DuPont the acceleration to to achieve that support line. He's not just ghosting through. He's flat yeah. out for that support line. And then to give that ball... I mean, just he is just... Fiku should do the, on another level. Fiku should do the, the Catalan. That's what an athlete he is, all right? You know, he's up there yeah, with what, Tony Thompson. What a, a beautiful mover. Just bloody lovely. Um, great a, to watch. There was a massive game changer, I thought, at the pen at half-time, the penalty at half-time to France. They had absorbed loads of pressure. Ireland were all over them. They get a pen at half-time. You know, that was a key moment for me because had Ireland scored there, they were straight back in the game. Um, but, you know, there's there's a clear change in the attitude and the excitement levels of France when they've got the ball, when they've not got the ball. You know, they're actually, the energy levels are so high. Um, and a lot of that, I think, has come from Sean Edwards, from, from experience. You know, he gets teams excited, he gets work rate higher. Um, and... They just look, they just look a class outfit because they've got some massive carriers, some massive ball players as well. You know, one of their best players, Vakatawa, was actually quite quiet at the weekend, wasn't he? But when you've got yeah. like Olivion, they've got um, Vilimsa, Aldrit, who, who's huge, Aldrit Larue. You know, Hasn't Aldrit got man of the match. It's either three or four times in this Six Nations in the game. These are played. huge blokes. <laughs> these are absolutely massive blokes. So. They can give, you know, their their backs a quite a lot of front football, and then you see the best of Dupont. And then you see the best of Entomac. I mean, he's a he's a special player, Entomac. That chip off the left, yep. being a right footer, the swerve, yep. the pass, mate, it oozes class, vision, coolness. You know, he should play with a pair of glass uh, shades on, shouldn't he? Because and a frank yeah. in his mouth, because it just that sort of passage of play personifies French rugby, really, doesn't it? And the French, how good they are. Do you know those memes that go round on WhatsApp and it's like someone does something particularly cool and then that gangster music comes on yeah, and they've got... That's what he needs, it's mate. Like, that's what he needs. And the chip was beautiful. Off his left peg, I mean, it's just outrageous. The gather, for me, 
the most amazing thing was how cool he was when he got the ball. Yeah. So he didn't get the ball and think, is anyone going to hit me? He collected the ball and just thought, I'm doing what I need to do. Sees everything around him in slow-mo. It's like trying to, it's like trying to smack a fly. Mm. They move so much quicker than you do that they could, everything you do looks like slow-mo. And it just, he is just wonderful. And if they, they, if they can keep... Dupont and Intermac yep. fit and firing. I mean, they'll they'll have to let other players play at some point in case those guys get injured. But to me, they are a halfback combination that would you could happily put in the All Black side, and they wouldn't lose a thing. But look how look at the hunger as well. Like how hungry was Dupont to get onto the end of that kick? You know, it's yeah. it's a really good. I can't remember if it's a box kick or an up and under, but. Booty ended up catching it, but there was no real chase there from Ireland. Ireland were there, but just didn't get off the ground and actually allowed Booty to to catch it under not that much pressure and he also offloads it. Then you've got Doris on the wing. Fiku just, you know, goes round him, no problem, puts the chip in, and then if you look at that, Dupont is is just it's incredible work rate for him to get to that ball and then back inside to to enter Mac for the try. So you know it's France are doing really well up in the energy levels when it's a real difficult situation to do it, you know, because there's no crowd. And um I find and also I, I for for a while sorry, go on boy. No, no, it's fine. For a while I wondered why they were picking Valemsa in the second row, because I watch him at club level and I like watching the French stuff and I think for a while I thought this guy's massive, I get that, and he's abrasive, I get that. But he's not mobile, he hasn't got a massive work rate, and I'm thinking they're just picking him because he's big. That's so French. Why they're just picking him because he's big. And I watch him now and I think now I get it. He and is big. He's massive. I think he's improved. He's big, but there is, he does move about. He gets about, he's got a good tackle count and all of his, not all of them, but so many of his collisions are mm. dominant. And you see, you see big, really powerful men running into him and getting absolutely swatted. And he is quite a rare commodity in that he's a massive bloke who moves well and uses his weight. You know, he, he crushes people and occasionally yep. he, he, oversteps the, he oversteps the mark, but don't mind that, frankly. And I think when you've got, him and Bernard LaRue. One of my favourite things, Eddie Butler is just one of my favourite commentators of all time. I love him. Hmm. Um, but it, I love the way he pronounces the French names. I know Fofana wasn't playing yesterday, but Fofana is my favourite. But he, he pronounces Bernard LaRue, Bernard LaRue. And like, he's from Durban or something. He's South African. Like, it's just Bernard LaRue. That's how he says it. Yep. Um, but I love that. But LaRue and Valemsa, a couple of South African second rows for France, they are absolute punishers, those two. They do so much work, and they yep. bury so they smash so many people. They're they're class. I mean, they're not they're not the most um, they're not the best contributors in attack, frankly. But geez, they clear some rucks and make some hits. And I, I also like think France look better from second or third phase. Uh, they did it the weekend anyway because first phase didn't always go to plan. I thought they were doing their moves far too deep, which had just allowed Ireland to just to push off. Um, you know, you look you look at their attack. You know the the runarounds they were doing were far too deep, um, but come second or third phase, when you do have you know the halfbacks, when you do have Vaca Towers, when you do have the Fikus, they they're special players, they're X factor players that can can create the space just by pure individual talent, and they seem to have a team that is just littered with that, and other teams can't cope. And yeah. look, it was it was a nice try. Um, from uh, Henshaw, you know, 
he's he's just running back looking for space. You've seen it so many times with like you know Brian O'Driscoll, you know that line when he's he's caught the ball and he's just backtracking, looking for holes to open up. Uh, pretty poor attempt from Ratters to tackle him, he, but you know Hen- Henshaw does need to finish that try. He takes a bit of finishing, um, and also the um, the Stockdale try, but too little, too late. Um, Island well beaten, well beaten, and that is. Yeah, it was a really good try. Um, some semi sort of patchy defence there, but mm. it was well taken. But that's not a try. That's an in, that's a piece of individual brilliance, isn't it? And the first phase thing is interesting because I do wonder, like if you had, you know, Australia can look wonderful from first phase. Um, the New Zealand can look wonderful from first fla- phase with things they've planned. That doesn't really seem to suit France. The launch play doesn't yep. seem to be... They're almost better when things break up a bit, which is not a great surprise. Mm. But you wonder if they ever really nailed their first phase, their launch plays off set piece, and as well yeah. as being so effective off, you know, when, you know, off sort of uh, after sort of three or four phases when it's broken up a little bit and things are less structured, you think they would be a real force to reckon with. But geez, they're good to watch and good to watch without Teddy Toma, who's one of my favourite players on the globe. Yeah, right, Dave. It might be, um, it might be time to get into... Ireland, England, but I think we should probably call our guest. Italy, England. <laughs> Just checking you're awake, mate. Well done, fella. Yeah, let's do that. Let's let's uh, let's get someone on board, shall we? Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Um, so, everybody, what we decided to do on this um, Sunday, Shanks' Day of Rest, the day after. Super Saturday, or kind of subdued Saturday, the end of the Six Nations, we decided to get a special guest on, and we decided on WhatsApp that our first choice would be Sam Simmons, and we expected him to be too busy doing uh, weighted pull-ups, but in fact, he said yes, and he's here. So, Sam, welcome to the Flats and Shanks podcast. Ideal, thanks, Ads. Yeah, no weighted pull-ups for me. I actually haven't trained since uh, finishing the final last week, so... Good. Bit plump actually. You're not keeping yourself bit... fit just in case you get a call through, maybe? Um, I can't see it to be honest, mate. They, I think they've got a week <laughs> off now anyway. Um, 
But I can't, yeah. and obviously they won yesterday, performed well, and I don't think they picked up any injuries there. Was there any communication between Eddie and yourself? Yeah, yeah, I spoke, yeah I spoke to Eddie. Um, Joe spoke to Eddie as well. Yeah. Um, together, yeah? Like, did, did you do it together? Save like two calls, <laughs> did it in one? It was literally like a couple minutes apart, I think. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I'm more at uh, this point of Joe, to be honest. The season that he's had... Um, the kind of openings for him, yeah. I see in that England team are there. Um, you know, I, I see a spot for him with, with George Ford being injured. I, I don't see why Joe wasn't picked. But you know, for me, the back row's always been, um, you know, richly contested, and I can see why some players are there. And and, and I've been um, put on the back burner, but still, it's, it's very disappointing. And you, yeah, you've had not a bad season, mind. I mean, if there's any sort of shining like it's been a pretty awesome season for you in Exeter oh mate 100% um, it's, it's genuine what all, all the boys have dreamed of mm. um, we, we have a, we have a lot of boys that come from different parts of the country and you know if you look through the squad at, when they first joined you know you look at Johnny Hill yesterday when Johnny first joined you know even myself didn't see him and I wasn't playing Premiership Rugby at the time but mm. And see what Rob saw in him. I was he was six foot seven, but weighed about the same as me. Yeah, um, yeah. But he, the work that he's put in, and I think it came from that 2018 tour, the South Africa tour, where you know he was. He, they took him, but we both sat on the bench in the in the last game, and I think there was five of us that didn't get on, and that that really hurt Johnny. Um, and the way that he's performed in the last two years, and. He, he deserves a spot, you know. Him and Mara are the best best second rows in, in the in the league, so it's uh, a good partnership. Yeah, I remember a few years ago I said on the a pod a couple of weeks ago, Sam. I was down at Chiefs. You had a game, and I was doing. A, I was working in the corporate suite upstairs, you know, being a lovey. And Kai Horseman um, is in the top top fifty number eights ever to play for Exeter Chiefs in the last ten years. Um, he um, he was running this Q and A, and it was me and Johnny Hill, and the whole narrative of the whole Q and A was taking the mickey out of Johnny Hill for never playing, for being a streak of piss, for having yeah. no strength, for having a tiny head for someone who's six foot seven. And he was a lovely bloke and he was really funny and really gregarious. But the whole narrative was, do you actually even play for Chiefs? You never actually play. Fast forward two or three seasons and he's comfortably, comfortably for me, the best second row in the in the Premiership this year. So I just, I, I think that reflects very well on the Chiefs environment. And, I'll echo what Shank said. Congratulations on an amazing season. It's just, I'm I'm so chuffed for you guys. It's been great to watch you. Um, but in terms of the Chiefs environment, we'll talk, we'll get, we'll bounce between Chiefs and England a little bit in the next 10 minutes. But in terms of that Chief, Chiefs environment, if you could just give us a bit of an insight. So you're kind of stepping up, it's semi-finals time, it's finals time. We have this image on the outside of a group of blokes smiling and laughing all the way through the week. But presumably there's some pretty full metal jacket work going on there. Presumably you guys are a very abrasive, hardworking bunch during the week. If you just tell us a little bit about the environment that Rob Baxter sets up for you. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, to be honest, a lot of it is outside of the rugby is taking the piss, laughing, you know, having a joke, enjoying our time there. But Ali, Ali Heath, the head coach, definitely does um, nip that in the bud when it does come to training. Um, you know, if there are any... Um, laughing, joking. When we do get on the training pitch, he, we call him the A train, and he he does go nuts. So boys <laughs> are pretty, pretty careful with, with pissing him off. But um, we I feel like we get the balance right, and 
speaking to people like uh, Stuart Hogg and Johnny Gray coming from different environments, they say, like, how can you moan with this environment? This is unbelievable with how we train, you know, what we do, how professional it is. But it is still, you know, like playing with your best mates and what it is like playing with your best mates. But um, I feel like when it does get to those semifinals, finals, you know, we, we know what it's about now. Um, and in the past, maybe those games were times where we got nervous and times where we just went into our shell. But I feel like this year, it never felt like, after after the lockdown, it never felt like we were going to lose, even yeah. when we got to those semifinals and finals. Like You look yeah. around the squad now, um, and it's not just like the, the big-name players, like Nolsey, Slady, uh, Hoggy, and stuff like that. But like, you look at Joe, you know, 23-year-old captain, He's our leader and he's someone that you look forward to and the experience we have on the bench that comes with it. It's just, I mean, we, Rob's, credit's Rob, he's built an unbelievable squad. Mm. Um, and you saw that with players going up to Bristol and Northampton and stuff like that, which people thought were a second team, but we had we had like full faith in them, watching them at the time. And we were like, well, we're going to beat this star-studded Bristol team with the likes of Phil Dolman playing against Semi Drago and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, skinned him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I don't know. It's just it, it was this year, that, and hopefully next year as well. It just felt like we could win, and um, we did. And it was it was an unbelievable two weeks. What's it like being um, captain by your brother? I mean, when he's doing his team talks, <laughs> sort of end of yeah. sessions before games, do you find yourself sort of rolling your eyes like, "Oh my god, it's exactly yeah. what you say to mum and dad," you know, uh, just, uh, <laughs> a little before? I find it a bit cringe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good. The stuff before the games, like he's he's told what to say by the coaches, he's a puppet. He reads it well, off his phone. We all know that as well. Um, but when it gets to the actual game, um, you know that's when the real emotions come out, and um, you know it's not just talking about it through the week. It's, it's you're actually ready to play a game. Um, I think the, the squad just. Have, have like come around Joe and just allowed him to um, be a different captain because he's not the most vocal captain no. outside of the pitch. You know, he's, he's not um, say Martin Johnson or someone like that that um, throughout the week is barking orders and stuff, and stuff like that. But he just, just the things he does on the pitch and the emotion that he brings just like goes throughout the whole squad. And obviously me being his brother, it just adds to it even more. You probably you probably don't remember this, but I I did an interview with you after a game a few years ago, an Anglo Welsh game. Of course, at, he remembers at, at Sandy Park. But you know, when you, when you look back then, did you uh, did you think back then that I'd sort of be the lead commentator for the Welsh side in Pro Fourteen Premier Sport Rugby? Or... <laughs> no, no, he, no. Is, he assumed he assumed it was Gareth Thomas, mate. Um, I the, the captain thing's interesting. Like I remember. Um, you, you might not remember Sam, but we had a scrum half at Bath called Michael Clarsons, a South African guy. And um, it was before your time at Chiefs, but when Chiefs got promoted. So we played, I played three years against Chiefs after he got promoted before I stopped playing. Clarsy was our captain and English was his second language. And um, he used to come to me to help him with team talks and like words to say. And we were winning at this point. And he's like, guys, we've got to keep winning. We've got to keep firing. And, and I, taught, I taught him the expression, go through the motions. And he basically got the team together in the change room. He said, guys, today is ready. We must not just walk through all of the emotions. That was it. And we all just pissed ourselves and went out to play. 
he got like a, oh it's perfect you just stitch him up i used to teach him words that didn't exist oh it was great yeah. i love that yeah, um but in, I, like that. I love that it. yeah i, I love i love the sappers you brought in they're animals those boys it's great I, I love i like the recruitment strategy ali hefer by the way um i just want to talk about him for a sec because you know he's Rob Baxter very, very rightly gets a lot of credit, get mo- gets most of the credit and almost all of the attention because he's the guy whose face we see most often. Um, yeah. But Ali Heifer, I, I played with Ali. He's a lot older than me. But I played with Ali. I went on tour with him. I think I even roomed with him once or twice. Very loose bloke. Um, no, he wasn't that loose. He was, he was kind of by the book then as well. But it's no surprise to anyone that played with him or against him at that time when he was at Saints that he's made a really good coach. But what sort of influence does he have? Because you talk about all these players all these key players you look at guys like Dave Ewers and Jack Yendel and Ian Witten there are yes there are some star players but there's a lot of players who've got to Exeter or come through the ranks and improved season after season everyone just gets better mm. so what sort of impact does Ali Hefer have on all that yeah a massive impact um, literally the coaches as a whole as especially Ali live and breathe the game um they they've always got their laptop by their side. They're literally whether we're playing, I don't know, Bath in four weeks' time. They're already looking at that and uh, analysing and like I don't know how his wife or kids get any time out of them at all. Yeah, to be honest, oh. they're literally sounds a dream job. Yeah, that that does make him <laughs> and the rest of the coaches, I guess, so successful. And um, why we're doing so well is because they love it. Um, he is a bit of, you know, like I said, he does, he can lose his mind a little bit. And sometimes you think, what is he losing his mind at? It's, it's a Monday or something like that. But I think he wants to he wants to win so much, just like we do, that he doesn't want things to slip. And, you know, if you yeah. say you've got, you're already qualified and, and you're playing, I don't know, like someone away, like Worcester away or Worcester away or something like that, a game that doesn't really matter, they're still on you like they would be for a semi-final final yeah mm. i think that just breeds winners we, um, yeah we've um we obviously saw on the tv you know what it meant to, to you guys extra to win europe back it up with you know the the gallagher league and and flats has touched a cup uh, upon and you have touched upon a couple of the the players there that have come in but what's it like to have someone like gareth steenson um you know, in your squad, who's been there for such a long time. Some of the older guys who've been there for such a long time, and a lot of them have had to play sort of second fiddle now um, and just play a supporting role. But we all saw like the scenes after um, yeah. with with Steenson on the field. I mean, can you give us a little bit of insight into what he's done for the club and what he's like to be around? Oh, it's, it's uh, you know, it's been huge for for him and his family, but like huge for everyone involved in the squad that has got to play with Steno throughout the 10 or how many years, 10 years that he's been, I think I've been there for eight or seven years of, of yeah. that time. And um, he's someone that has, you've seen it, he's developed from you know, being, he says it himself, a kind of chubby number 10 that can kick goals and is a bit of a revolving door to, you know, the last two, three years, his game is just, Improved hugely. He's not just a, a goal kicker now. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it's unfortunate that he's had to take a step back. And you know, Joe's kind of uh, excelled him in 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 a lot of ways. But for him to be a part of the team, even though he didn't get on in both finals, you know, to to have that 
for him is is massive. Um, and he said he said he felt like he's um, you know completed club rugby, which he kind of has. You know, he's took him from the championship to to winning the premiership in 2017, and then to do the double this year, he can he can sit back now and um, you know be pretty pretty happy with his his career. And you know, I, I think we're going to see him a little bit more though because he's going to be in the coaching side of it. But um, yeah, everyone, including you know Phil Dolman. Yeah, Phil, another one as well. They, these boys have had massive um, parts to play in the club. Whether Deno's been there for four years or Stino and Dolly have been there for eleven years, yeah, they've added massive amounts, and you need that experience. Um, and, and you know they are going to be missed, and and a lot of boys are missing not just on the field. You know, off the field they bring so much as well. Is Dolly still walking around with Rad Radra in his pocket, or has, has he come out yet? <laughs> <laughs> He's got him under his arm. I can't believe no other club, not including next. I can't believe after seeing those performances, he hasn't been, you know, offered. Someone's picked him up. I, mean, I don't know. I, hon- I honestly can't believe it, Sam. Like, I, you yeah. know, you you watch a lot of games. You watch all your games, of course, because you're playing in them. But you yeah. you watch a lot of games. We we have to watch all the games, and we enjoy it. We don't have to. We watch all the games. Phil Dolman is hardly ever not excellent when he plays. Uh, like, well, I know it's generally for just so. Clever, and I'm playing against Steno a few years ago. We'd finished games, and we were like, "That guy is awesome! Like he is that team." The way he communicated on the field, he ran that team. Yeah. And Gareth Steenson was like, there wasn't a lot of flair, but he was such a good fly half that I remember at Bath we had a couple of injuries, and I remember the senior player group saying, "Can we get Steenson out of Exeter?" And they're like, "He won't leave." Like yeah. we would love him; he would be perfect because he runs a team so well. And then Phil Dolman preparing for games. I remember sitting in the meetings, and Phil Dolman it's like, "Right, guys." Basically, when he gets the ball, it's high alert. And he was the highest alert player we we identified in your team. Just only a few years ago, really. He was the highest alert player we had in your team. and He was so difficult to play against. Those guys must be just yeah. chuffed to bits to have achieved it. So when you finish, you win Europe, which is wonderful. And then yeah. you win the, the Premiership final. I don't know what you felt, but it was a lot closer than we thought it was going to be. And then yeah. when, when the final whistle goes and you've done the double, is it pure joy an achievement or is there a bit of relief in there? Cause after what happened with Sarries, you were kind of, and your owner um, was quite outspoken about, he basically said what he thought, which a lot of owners don't. And he just said what he thought. So there was a lot of pressure on you to win um, this season. Was it, how much of it was fun and how much of it was relief? Um, definitely the European cup was, was the funner side. Um, I, once we the, the pressure did feel on when we played that Premiership final. Um, mm. The the weather was horrendous. Yeah, uh, you couldn't, you just couldn't get hold on the game. You couldn't get you know away from the Wasp team. Like they they just fought their way into the game, and um, I don't know. It just made it a, a dogfight, didn't it? But yeah, the 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 first week, uh, especially against Racing, like I, I didn't feel. Um, I felt pressure before the game, but once we were in it, I just felt like it's just another game of rugby. This is, you know, what we've played all year for. Why, why go into our shell now? And and you know, you know, we came out on top, which was which was amazing. But it did, you know, little things in the past in that prem final, you know, starts creeping to your head, especially when they had a lineup. I think you know, yeah. four minutes left, five minutes from our line, we'd just given a penalty away. Me and mm. Joe looked at each other like, ah. Oh, that's it. Like pack your bags, we're going. Um, but right, yeah. you know, it was it was after the game. It was just it, it was just um, 
yeah, pure elation, and, and we were probably pretty happy for the final whistle to go. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've, you've played in the final, you've won, you've got the Barbars game, which was cancelled, uh, meant to be played. So, obviously, tell us about the setup that you'd have in your house. So, um, where do you watch the game, or did you watch the game yesterday? Um, I watched it with a couple of mates. Um, with none of a lot of them are football fans, so none of them actually wanted to watch it. But me and Joe were like, "No, we're watching it." Johnny's makes outside rugby, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What norms? Civvies. Civvies, yeah. Football fans as well. Um, but that Johnny, uh, Johnny was obviously making his debut, so me and me and Joe were like, "Well, we're obviously watching it." Yeah. He got a yellow card. <laughs> Um, oh, it was quite it's a cheap. harsh yellow card. I, it was a cheap, mate. Card. I mean, cheap. I thought it was a penalty. Yeah, but, you know, I've seen them given as well, even worse than the yellow. So, yeah, I, when he did get yellow card, I was like, mm, fair enough. But then, you know, you just saw how he plays. Like, no one can get near him in the line out. Mm. He's such a streak of piss. I literally chuck him up. Yeah, and yeah. He, he's just a key man for. And I, and I can see him being a key man for England for the next five years, hopefully. Do you think that's why he grows his beard, just to add a couple of extra kgs on to like, the match programme? It's awful. Um, awful, but Sarah, this is Sarah likes it. She says, it, she says it, she likes it. I just don't see how she can like that beard. Well, you, you only need one person to find you sexually attractive. So you only need one. And he, he's found that one. But yeah. it, it, ta- it, does, it takes away from how, because he's got shoulders like a wardrobe. They're really, really wide. And he's got quite a small head. Yeah. yeah, I'm a, fr- a friend of mine, Rob Hawkins, who played hooker for Bath and Leicester for a long time. He had a boxer dog and um, sadly passed now and he got it neutered quite early and it had quite a small head. And they, the, the vet said that maybe they got it neutered too early because it didn't produce enough testosterone for its head to grow to a normal size. I and I did wonder about Johnny. Yeah. Just wondered. Just very <laughs> small head, isn't he, for a big man? Yeah, tiny. Mm. What do you make of yeah. the game, Sam? Um, was yeah, it sorry, just a case of England being a little bit rusty because they've had no sort of warm-up game, or Italy being actually quite decent? Uh, you can see that the Italians were up for it, can you? Yeah. Uh, you know, every penalty, knock on, or they were they're kind of losing their head. Yeah. Too much. Um, but yeah, oh, the, the players that England have. You know, in that second half, they did show their class, but I just felt like in the first half they they they, they use this kicking game, which obviously they've got the best kickers around. But I don't know. I, I felt you know they had an advantage in the twenty-two once, and they put put a bomb up, which you'd have probably liked yeah. to have seen mm. a multi-phase and score. But that's just me. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, I, it, when, yeah. when sorry, okay. Tommy, but with, with you guys at, at Chiefs, Sam, you've uh, for a lot of this season. Kind of no matter the no matter who you're playing against and how close the game is, you have played and played and played. So you've turned down kicks at goal. You've yes, you've used a tactical kicking game, but you've wanted to get your hands on the ball in opposition twenty twos, and that is a large part of what's seen you succeed. So, Clive uh, Woodward, Sir Clive at half time. The app, I don't know if you listened to the half time stuff, but I did because I was there. But I had to mute it, it all, mate. Commentators were poor. Yeah, I bet you did. Yeah, I know, I know. Terrible. Can't bear it. But you, Clive was absolutely bang on, and it's like you're playing against Italy and you're kicking everything away. And these, these are this is a team that can't live with you in attack. So you're wasting an op- in defence. You're wasting an opportunity, and it kind of it kind of did feel about feel a bit like that. But the second half was better. Did you think that? Yeah. Yeah, second half was a lot better. But you, you do see from the England kicking game, they score tries from it. 
mm. and that pressure that they do put on you with turning the the fullback, turning the wingers and stuff like that, with the players that they've got on the pitch, you know, speedsters like Johnny May and, and Anthony Watson, like it is a great tactic. It was just in the first half, maybe kicks were just a bit off. Um, but you saw from the second half that the power game came through and then and the kicking game was, was on. It's also, I think, you know, Henry Slade, we, he's an X-Factor player. He's brilliant for Exeter, brilliant for England. Yeah. It makes a massive difference moving from 13 to 12 because, you know, you, you're you seeing him doing a lot of that, the hard yards and sort of the, the dog work that he's not used to doing. Like, you know, at Exeter, you'd probably have Ian Witten. Exactly. Um, you know, Devoto taking it up off off scrums. He had to do that when I suppose we we spoke about Jacob Stockdale playing at fifteen. I think you get more out of him on the wing. Yeah. Similarly with with um, Slade at thirty. I mean, do you think? Yeah, do you I, think, I think you'd see him playing at twelve more at the moment due to injuries, oh, yeah. or do you think he'll he'll filter back out and play in his natural position at thirteen? I think maybe yeah, definitely you get more out of him at thirteen. Mm. I think he can do that twelve role. Like he, he's improved his carrying over the last couple of years. When I first met him, he was a ten that was about eighty kilos, but yeah. he's pushing yeah. up to close to hundred now. Um, so he can do that role, but I think then you do he just you just lose out on his distribution. Um, you know his little kicks and stuff like that. If he is just using pure battering round, yeah, um, yeah. But it's just he well, seems he seems so much happier when he's got or better to watch and harder to play against when he's got just a little bit more space, which he's afforded you at thirteen, isn't it? And when you reload, as you know, when you're taking up as twelve, you reload in a different position, so you sort of reload away from your unit. So you know, think, second, yeah. second or third phase, you're not really involved. I think it was a Ireland game. I don't know if it was a Six Nations. I think it was one previous. Maybe it was last year. And I think it was Manu at twelve, Sadi at thirteen. I think he scored two tries in that game, and that was probably one of yeah. the best England games I've seen him play because mm. he picked like some of the passes he can pick out are just ridiculous, like almost like Finn Russell type mm. passes. Um, and you know he gets more opportunity to do that when he is probably playing outside someone like Manu or. Yeah, like you said, Diva, Hendo, or, or Ian Whitton at the Chiefs. Yeah, I sort of think with the with the squad England have got now, and they play Georgia in two weeks, you'd love to see. I mean, um, I've said the, I've said this on the telly as well, so I'm not just saying it because you're on the phone. You'd love to see Joe at ten, um, but probably be Owen Farrell. But Ollie Lawrence is in the squad. Lee Slade at thirteen, put Ollie Lawrence in at twelve against Georgia because mm. he's he's all the power and he's all the, he's he's got so much of what Manu's got. We think put him in if he's there. Let him play eighty minutes and put Slade back at thirteen. He looks so much better there. But yeah, we're not Lawrence, picking an England team, are we? Or you know, you'd be captain, yeah, mate. Yeah, I think Lawrence has the the power as well to do that. He's not. He's nowhere near as big yeah. as, as Manu. Many people are, but he definitely has that you know short, punchy power that kind of mm. works at that twelve. At twelve, so you would have played against him a few times, Sam. I think we we should maybe speak a little bit about Pledry. Phenomenal for, for Gloucester. Brilliant again at the weekend. I mean, he's, he looks like he's just going to take over that mantle of, you know, the space and the void left by Sergio Parisi. Yeah, I, I don't see why not. You know, he is just like, he's not the biggest, but he's so powerful. Uh, yeah. like, even when he's tackled, he's not tackled. Um, you know, boy, boys will, will target, say, if we're playing Gloucester, like he's someone who will target. And he just bounces out of tackles. Um, he, he's got this like kind of um, carrying ability that he puts his arms out with the ball that you can't get near his legs. Yeah. 
and like just bounces you off. And yeah, I mean, you saw it. He's quick as well with the, with the try yeah. he scored yesterday. Rapid, wasn't um, he? Yeah, it's and, just uh, it's like it's like tackling a bag of spanners. It looks yeah. so difficult. And there are you know there are cert- a lot of you number eights these days. You, you've all got different things going for you. And Billy's a, Billy's appeal is obvious. Um, he wouldn't have probably the statistically the work rate of someone who's 20 kilos lighter, but he's got a lot of power in heavy traffic and that's handy and he gets the ball away well. You've got, you know, we don't need to blow smoke up your backside as you're on the phone, but you've got a turn of pace that the others don't have. And Jake Paledri seems to have, you're right, he just seems, because there is an assumption, like, because Toby Falatau's a top of the range number eight and has been for nearly 10 years. Yeah. People say, people just off, they naturally say, well, he's massive. He's ma-. No, he's not. Toby Falatau is not a massive man. Jake Paledri is not a massive man. And I think there is a misconception that you need to be a giant to play international number eight, and you don't. You just need to be good enough, you know. And he's not, he's not, he's not a giant guy, is he? No, I've played Falatau a couple of times mm. against, um, against Bath. And like you said, he's, he's bigger than me, which isn't hard, but he's not massive. Um, but mm. it's just his... Uh, the work on the ball is so good. Like his footwork just yeah. before he hits contact mm. is so good. Yeah. Um, and his handling and, you know, he's, like you said, he's a world-class number eight. And, um, but he's not, you know, he's not 130 kilos. No, which which can help, but it's not the game he yeah. plays. But just, um, we, we'll let you go in a minute, Sam. You've got Sunday to get on with. Um, but you've got, in, in terms of you and you as a number eight, I mean, we're not, I'm not asking you to divulge, um, you know, private communications you've had with Eddie Jones, but there is an assumption from, I guess, the media really, and there and therefore the knock-on of that is from the wider public that Eddie Jones likes a massive number eight because he's he's either had Billy or Nathan Hughes there when he's had the chance, or he's had Tom Curry there, who's just a freak player. I'm sure you'd agree, he's a fantastic player. Um, but he want he wants a massive, powerful number eight who makes a lot of yards in, you know, in congested areas. Um. And he's decided that you, Sam Simmons, yes, you're a very good player, but you're not the body shape I want. Is that anywhere near accurate in terms of what he's told you? Again, you don't have to tell us things you don't want to tell us, but it's is that anywhere near it? Because we see a player, and it, you know, it's all very well what we think, but what Lawrence Delalio thinks, you know, is probably more pertinent because he was maybe the best number eight we ever had or close to it. Yeah. He says exactly the same thing. This guy should be closer. So. Is it is it something there, is it something you can do something about, or is he just trying to stick you in a grow bag? Um, you know, I don't know if there's much I can do to be honest. Um, from what I took from what he said to me is that I'm very structured in the way that Exeter play, um, which I get. You know, Exeter the, the way that throughout the week how we set up plays and how I get into the game is it's kind of structured to allowing me to do that um yeah. but yeah he, he sees it as it's a I, I agree I tend to agree with him a little bit it's very unstructured in England it's, from when I was there last time I did struggle with um kind of not not being the focal carrier or not being put yeah. in positions to carry um because international rugby is completely different but yeah, that, that's how, that's what I took from it. The, the the player for Exeter allows me to get into the game from how structured we are, which mm. we are, and and England's different. But again, like, I feel that I don't know. In an unstructured environment, I'm probably better um, in the fact that it's a bit looser and a bit 
Yeah, I'd I'd rather yeah. play against you where I know roughly when you're going to pop up. Yeah. Um. I'd I'd much I wouldn't want to play against somebody with a great turn of speed in a more unstructured game. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. That's how you'd view it. Yeah. That's how I'd view it. But yes, yeah. yeah, so you, you feel yeah. like well, I okay, guess tough, isn't it? Yeah. For me, like for me, it's just I've had an unbelievable. Well, we as a club have had an unbelievable year. Um. You know, and just just keep keep going, keep doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, someone's gonna hopefully see me in the future and think, "Oh yeah, he can do this, or he he can play our side of the game." And, and you know, I'll, I'll be there when he does give me a call and, and wants me to go up. But um, yeah, it, it's, it is going. It is, it is frustrating because you have such a a strong year, not just as a club, but like personally as well. And sometimes it feels like that goes amiss, but. No, it's one, it's one person's judgment. So. Uh, it's better to be at the bottom of a ladder. You want to climb then halfway exactly. up when you yeah. don't. That's exactly. a David Brent quote. Okay. Well done, mate. That's good. Sam, look, uh, mate, thanks for giving us so much time, way more than we uh, even hoped for from you. And um, I know I, I speak on behalf of both of us. We've, we've loved watching you guys this season. You've got about to finish your dinner and then get ready for next season because it's starting in 15 minutes, all right? I know. We um, no rest. Today. Did so you? When are you starting back? Well, obviously with the... Um, the announcement yesterday, there's things up in the air, but um, he, he said that we're still on course for um, starting pre-season on the 11th. <laughs> oh, uh, good luck. Jim's, Jim, Jim's a shut, mate, so I've got a month off yeah. season now, so yeah. we're all good. Um, hey, cheers, Sam. Thanks so much, mate. Good luck to you. Legends, cheers. Yeah, and it, and it is, I, I love how um, you speak to these guys on the touchlines and at events here and there and they speak quite candidly when you're not on a mic and I, he's exactly the same. He's exactly the same when he's being recorded as when he's not. And it is, you know, it, it's not pleasant to hear that he's gutted by the England stuff, but I'm glad he admits it and glad he's honest. And yeah. it, you, you do kind of wonder if he's going to become another Don Armand, you know, where you think this guy is so good for England. Ah, look, I think he's and, another level to you know, Don Armand. Don Armand was brilliant, but I think, I think there's a little bit extra. There's more, I think we'll more X factor. I think I said it a few times today. Um, he seems more. He's he's a special player. I think Sam Simmons. I think we will we will see more of him. Um, I'm not sure if he got my office quote at the end. Then he, he went, yeah, that's right. Um, sort of. Bear in mind, mate. He was born in like 2008 or something. Yeah, might not have seen the office. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a generation thing, isn't it? Maybe it, he's it's used just, to like. I, I look at him. He's and used I, to I, Sam and Cat or Victorious. I don't know. I. I want I want nine, ten, twelve, thirteen against Georgia to be Dan Robson, um, Joe Simmons, Ollie Lawrence, and Henry Slade. Yeah, that's the nine, ten, twelve, thirteen yeah. I want to see against Georgia, and we're not going to see it, which is a shame. Well, you it's say easy, that it's easy what, for us. We're not picking an England team, are we? Why would you not pick uh, a sort of development, not a development, but an unexperienced team against a team like Georgia? You know, just uh, yeah, give players a bit of game time. I don't see why. Why yeah. would you play Owen Farrell? I just don't see the point in that. Don't, but also you've got, I'm a prop, so I look at props more and you think Alec Hepburn at Chiefs, just because we spoke to Sam. Mate, as I said before, in the last 10 pods in a row, his contribution in a game is just unbelievable. I mean, yeah. he's, but, but you've got Mako and a Joe Marler's injured at the moment, Ellis Genge. Hmm. You've got some absolutely gun loose heads around at the moment. Some of them are so good. And how do you not put Ellis Genge? If Joe, Joe Marler's injured, how do you not put Ellis Genge? you know, in the top two, you, you can't really. Mm-hmm. So it's just, there are some just top players around. And you think yep. about Sam Simmons, there's also Alex Dombrandt, absolute class player. Yep. Um, but I just, 
I remember, boy, watching, I think it was a Premiership Rugby Cup, one of these cups, <clears throat> and did um, doing the highlights with Durders down at Chiefs. Chiefs played a young team, and there was this kid at number eight, didn't know his name, and looked on the programme at half-time, and I'd said at the end of the game, and everyone on the ground was saying it, it wasn't just me, I was like, this guy is different. I saw him come off the back of a couple of line-outs, and I was like, oh my God, he yep. is fast. Yep. And I remember saying, just this. I remember talking about his arse and his legs, like he's got a massive arse, massive legs, he's really quick. I mean, this guy is hard work, and they do find them down there, but it's, finding them is one thing. They make them so much better down at Chiefs. Did you say it live on TV, or was it like... I did, yeah. Or was it like no, you psyched this last week? No, it's on telly. This okay. is on telly, and it's on record um, as me Thank saying. You. I basically, but I also did tell I'll Bath not it. to sign Mako Vunapola because he wasn't going to make it. So um, I was a bit wrong on that. Equally, he was a tight head then, and I don't think he was. I don't think he's really a tight head. But we all make mistakes, Tommy. Yeah, we learn from him, mate. Right, that's enough for us. Um, we probably yeah, long. we probably won't come to you next week. Um, not much no. going on. We'll save it for the start of the Autumn Nations Cup. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to this competition. I really am. I am Autumn Nations Cup in a podcast in association with Flats and Shanks. Mm-hmm. Okay, be good stuff. All right, take care. Hey, well everyone. done, boy. Take care. Bye. 